Well, yay, everybody. Welcome, everybody from uh, CSL White Rock and, and beyond. Some of you are from, I'm sure, quite far away. I'm from not too far away in Pitt Meadows. Uh, thank you for joining us today. I'm Georgia Deacon, and I'm one of the licensed practitioners with the Center for Spiritual Living, White Rock, and we are an inclusive learning center of practical spirituality based in White Rock, a South Surrey area of British Columbia in Canada. We practice and teach tools for transformation, authentic self-expression, and conscious living. Wherever you are on your path, whether you're soaring or struggling, there's a place for you here. As we begin gathering today, I respectfully acknowledge that we live and I live and work on the traditional unceded territory of the Coast Salish First Nations, including Katsi, Kowatlam, Stolo, Kwatlam Nations, who have been stewards of this land since time immemorial. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Let us anchor our time together in the heart. And I invite you to turn within as I do this invocation. So just gently gentle eyes or closed eyes <sighs> as i welcome in spirit divine intelligence god that wonderful incredible source that i know and you know and everyone knows is who we are is who i am as i show up as this human expression as we all are today and i welcome this immense energy and source and light and love that we all are in this community and everyone around us, surrounding us in this community, in this world. It is that wonderful source. And today I'm thankful and welcoming the new thoughts and new ideas in this time of going inwards during COVID when all things are changed, all things are new, all things are different. And I welcome that acceptance of new ideas as we release old ideas and old thoughts that do not serve us. I welcome everybody today in thought and mind and love. Hmm. Hmm. And new expressions. I'm so thankful for this and I open this beautiful time today together and in thankfulness and humbleness. And I open this, and so it is. So I'm, I'm so pleased to introduce our special guest speaker today. Many, many of you have enjoyed presentations from Liz, Reverend Liz Morante before, as I believe this is about your sixth visit. I think you said this morning quarterly. It's, you've been here quite a few times, and we're always delighted when you come back, Rev. Liz. Um, She's been a minister with Centers for Spiritual Living for over two decades. Her talks are always refreshing and filled with a unique perspective and very thought-provoking. This, of course, explains why she's a regular here at CSL White Rock. We're so delighted to have you back, Rev. Liz Morante, and here you are from Seattle, Washington. Liz. Ah, uh, well, number one, guys, I'm out of sync, so either have, what's that word, soft eyes, uh, or just close your eyes, even though I am wearing my lovely pink today, but just give that up. Um, but back to what George just said, uh, you know, the honor is all mine, the delight is mutual. 
virtual. Um, it is so wonderful to be back with you, and I am so grateful to have been asked to speak. And I think it, it might even, well, this is the third time this year, and then, you know, several times last year when, uh, before Reverend Cassandra came. So it, it's just always great fun to speak here. And so I'm delighted to be back. And um, let's just take a moment right now with so many of you here and just um, bring Reverend Cassandra into our hearts. Um, I connected with her a wee bit um, that she was back and still processing or processing um, just the events surrounding her father's passing and being with family and all of that. So let's just put her in our hearts right now. and just send her love and wisdom knowing that she and her family are held in the love of the divine. And any little thing that you wanna send her in this moment. She's, uh, you guys are so blessed to have her. So excited. Ah, so taking a breath here. Um, when I was preparing for this talk, um, I understood that you, you all were going to be reading the book Every Day Ubuntu. And then I was also told, well, you don't need to go along with, with that. So I thought I would look and see what the Centers for Spiritual Living organization was doing this month. And um, the month theme, and those of you already know if you get Science of Mind magazine, um, is inclusion in action. And so that's what the focus is this month. And sort of underneath that, to me, is the beauty of diversity. And it's amazing to me as these themes have unrolled how prescient it all is. Given COVID and Black Lives Matter, this is all just so timely, even though it was created months ago. It's, it's just, wow. Do you think there's a divine unfolding through everything? Hmm. I think so. So I wanted to give you um, a quick little selected overview of what some of the talks have been about this this month of inclusion in action and first of all why we're talking about this and how it relates to us as a teaching as a science of my teaching is the idea of oneness which is our first principle, our basic principle, that there is only one of us, one God, one life, one presence, one, one human, really. That oneness is the truth of our being, and it is not only a principle, an idea, a concept, a construct, it is also a premise the actual premise that we strive to live from. We strive to see oneness everywhere and live from that. 
And so that's why inclusion only makes sense. There is a quote um, from Ralph Waldo Trine, who was one of the early metaphysicians living maybe before Ralph Waldo Emerson. I don't know if he was named after him, but he comes from the early 1800s. And he said this, anyone, a fool or an idiot can be exclusive. <laughs> anyone can be exclusive. It comes easy. It takes and it signifies a large nature to be universal, to be inclusive. Only the man or the woman of a small, personal, self-centered, self-seeking nature is exclusive. The man or the woman of a large, royal, unself-centered nature never is. The one loves merely him, his or herself, the other loves all the world, but in his larger love for all the world, he finds himself included. So I love that. For, for any of you that, that your ego needs a boost, we don't want to be idiots. So <laughs> we want to strive harder to be inclusive. Now, there's a couple steps that this living from inclusiveness um requires so i'm just going to talk to them briefly so I'm, I'm just giving you as i said this little digest so really being living inclusively requires that we observe ourselves, that we observe ourselves, and in that observation of ourself be willing to see our biases because we all have them we all have them. I mean, I could go over on a longer talk. Those of you, Jill, I know you've been on the white supremacy uh, and me. Um, I've read White Fragility, a couple of other books. We all have them. It's not bad people who are racist. We all have biases. It doesn't make us bad. It just calls us to look. And then we need to, when we observe them in ourselves, confront them see how we can be different and ask ourselves a question. How can I be more inclusive? How can I live beyond the boundaries that I have maybe been culturally taught to do? How can I stop someone different from me as other? How can I live from a more inclusive place? It's interesting, the, the author of Ubuntu, uh, spoke in one of her chapters, even though she wasn't talking about this particularly, but she said it's an orientation. She was actually talking about hope versus optimism. And she said to live in hope requires an orientation of the spirit toward that. So I would take that phrase, living inclusively requires us to have an orientation of the spirit, to reorient ourselves toward living inclusively. Because if you're like me, it just may not have come on your radar for a while. And now, again, I don't know about you, but it's in my face. So I want to live more inclusively. So this week, um, I'm taking a talk title, which 
actually is next week, but for, for the Centers for Spiritual Living. But it just jumped out at me because I love this song. It's called Better Together. And some of you may know a song that's better when we're together. I love that song. So I just thought, Better Together. I love that title. And first of all, what I wanted to talk about, why I wanted to do Better Together is so they see this idea of living more inclusively is not just a should. Oh, I should be more inclusive. I should know my biases. I, I should, you know, change, expand. It's, it's not just a should. It's because we are better. Life is better. It is better. Our experience is better when we do that. And this really is perfect. Um, it was such an inspired choice of Reverend Cassandra to find the book Everyday Ubuntu. There's lots of examples about that, that in a very gentle, easy, and visually beautiful way, help us expand the way we look. The first um, phrase of that, I am because you are, from Ubuntu, helps us look out toward the world and see that we are only who each of us is as a result in conjunction with the rest of the world. And then her book is wonderful because it has all the different, um, so many different ideas or iterations or examples of that, that kind of living in community, seeing the world as community. So thirdly, why it's great this better together is that is the power of independent, interdependent living. Um, my sort of teacher and mentor, original teaching and mentor, is uh, Reverend Dr. Kathy Ann Lewis, who um, is, has the church here, uh, the Center for Spiritual Living in Seattle. And she is the first to say she lived most of her life as a rugged individualist. I can do it myself. I can pray myself. I can shift my life myself. If it's to be, it's up to me, which is a, a, a step in our process that we go through as we come into science of mind, that I'm not a victim, so I need to take my own accountability. But she's also the first to say that, that she hit the ceiling. She hit the ceiling of her rugged individualism and had to come in to recognize her interdependence with others and that it was actually better when she brought others into her world, into her support, into all those things. That living a life of diversity and being more inclusive provides fruit for our spirit. And I'll talk more about that later. So I'd like to give you three concrete reasons about this, why it's better why we're better together, why we're better to live this inclusive life. And the first one is because it's more interesting and beautiful. 
I would venture that any of you who have a garden that none of you have, and I'm trying to get the gallery view back up. Oh, there we go. You could raise your head. I'm betting that none of you who have a garden that there's just one kind of flower or one color of flower. Here in the part of Seattle called West Seattle where I live, people love their gardens. They are not fancy, they are not well-groomed and manicured. They are abundant. And walking around, my, my favorite garden is just a mass of different colors, purples and oranges and yellows and pinks and blues. It's amazing. So that diversity makes our world more beautiful. Likewise in music. Is this a song you'd sing? Is this a song that gets your, no, you're just going, stop Liz, please stop. That we need many notes to make a beautiful song. And the different rhythms in different kinds of music are so wonderful. What if everything was just one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. So many different rhythms and beats, likewise with dancing. So many rhythms, so many styles. If waltz was all there was, how boring. We have so many different things. We have the samba, we have the tango, we have the twist. Those of us who are old enough, and many of us are in this community, myself included, the twist, man. And then, you know, the hully gully and all the mashed potato. And I was trying to remember um, those of you, my, you know, coming of age in the 60s, that some of those early dances were taken from African dances. And I'm trying to remember if the Hully Gully was one that the word came from Swahili or another thing. I don't know. If any of you remember, tell me after at the Q&A. Um, but at any rate, if we only had one kind of dance, well, my kids would never have danced. They tried to go into ballet. It did not work for them. They did these little creative dance things where they could do anything. That suited them. Some of their friends, the structure and beauty and grace of ballet suited them. The difference is wonderful. The truth is that we are all in a tapestry of this life. We've heard this metaphor before. A tapestry is many different threads that are all intertwined. It's not one color. And when you step back from a tapestry, all you see is the whole. All you see is the beautiful, beautiful whole. But if there weren't all those different colors and strands woven in, it wouldn't nearly be as beautiful. We are all intertwined, as every day Ubuntu reminds us. We are all intertwined in a tapestry. Let's wake up to how beautiful and wonderful that is. The second reason that we are better when we're all together is it makes us stronger and more useful. If you think of the idea of wire rope, an individual strand could be as thin as six millimeter, point six millimeters, six tenths of a millimeter. I don't, 
very, very thin. And yet you take more strands and more strands and, and intertwine, wind them together, and that wire rope becomes incredibly strong. And depending on the thickness of the different strands, depending on how many, that that wire rope has all kinds of different jobs it can do. So depending on the number of strands, depending on the thickness, it will be more flexible, less flexible. It will be able to do this application or that application. That more of us helps us be more flexible, helps us find better ways to do things. We can do a job better. And let me go straight into a job example. How many of you in your work life or or in your church life or in other life have worked on a team? Any of you worked on a team? <laughs> I know I have. And any of you who've done any kind of temperament type personality style work know that there are several, in many of them there's four, several different personality styles. I just did a new one and there's sort of four styles grafted on three, but we're all different. And what we learn through that temperament work and the style work is both understanding ourselves and how we work better and understanding others and how they work better and how they work differently from we are so we can communicate better. But ultimately, what we learn that as a team, when we have people of different styles, temperaments, different thinking styles, that the team becomes much more effective. Have you guys had this experience? Then if everybody thought the, the same way, um, one of the styles I learned early on was of an extrovert, if you're extroverted and informal, that was one of the sides. Well, if everybody on a team is extroverted and informal, probably you're not gonna get a lot done, a lot, you're not gonna get a lot done because everybody's gonna be just sitting and chatting. I work better on a team when I have somebody who's analytical, when I have somebody who's more task focused, because they remind me, oh yeah, we've got this thing we need to do. <laughs> it works better. And then you have somebody who might be the problem solver, see the potential problems. Somebody who's more structured and helps the group focus and move in a way that there's a result that is understood. I worked for uh, an international travel agency once, and we mostly did travel to Asia. And it was owned by a Taiwanese gentleman. And having done, by that point, done uh, quite a bit of that personality style, behavioral style work, I could see that at that agency, we had each of the styles in what I had learned so well represented that it was an incredibly effective team. We had a guy who spoke Chinese and was very detail-oriented. We had a woman who checked all the, um, they weren't faxes in those, the telexes in those days to make sure that was the right days at the right hotels, in the right place, at the right room. She 
went all through those with a fine tooth comb. That would not have been me. <laughs> we had a person who was sort of our marketing guy. He was Mr. Social, Mr. Big Heart, Mr. Pull Everybody Together. And we had a woman who was the one who'd make the deals. She'd talk to the larger organizations and make the deals and get the good prices. We needed all those people. We needed all those different styles. If we had all been the style, we would not nearly have been as effective as a business. We need diversity to be better. Now, see where that's been true in your own life. Because everybody, not only do they bring different styles, they bring different perspectives. They bring different experience. If I'm trying to create an event and I want people to have certain kinds of experiences in that event, I need somebody who, people who come from different backgrounds and experiences to help guide me. We need that to be more effective, more useful. Now, I'm not a huge student of Canada history, so I'm going to try to speak in very broad strokes. I think it's brilliant that Canada came together, legally at least, to have both the French and the Anglo come together and create a country where there's French Canada and nominally British Canada, but that you guys didn't fight each other down and destroy one side, you allowed that to come. And as a country, especially compared to the US, that you're not so much a melting pot as so many different cultures coming together is very rich. I think I've told several of you that I went to the Parliament of World Religions in Toronto and it was such a great place to have it because Toronto is so diverse and it's wonderful. I'm sure there are challenges, but it is a wonderful city because of its diversity. This is a wonderful country because it acknowledges two major diverse strengths within it. Is one better than the other? Are you kidding? Do I love Vancouver? Do I love Victoria? Did I love Quebec City? Oh my gosh. How much poorer would Canada be without those allowed to flower and their diversity? And in what we have in the world today, today, we must, we must gather all perspectives to solve the big problems we have today. COVID, the climate, bringing people of color into greater representation, greater equality, greater justice. And we can't do it just from one perspective. Every day Ubuntu, I feel like everyone in, in my country should read because her constant examples of South Africa and how they did that impossible task of starting to heal from apartheid, I dare say they're still healing. But 
the graciousness and the willingness to bring everybody into the process, even the so-called perpetrators, as well as the so-called victims, bring them all into the process that I think the fact that South Africa still exists post-apartheid is something that many people would not think would happen. So that Ubuntu way teaches us that we are tr truly better together, as challenging as it is. Finally, you know why we're better together, this thing, inclusivity, is because there's something within us that knows this. Why are you all here at this center? You are not here because you wanted to live a comfortable life with the status quo of the world just continuing to unfold. That there are different tribes and we have our all different values and we have to shore up our own little piece of the world to make it better. I don't think so. I think you're all here because there's something in you. It may be still subconscious, it may be very conscious, that knows the truth of our oneness. That knows somehow that we are called to live a greater life than we have ever lived before, than anyone on the planet has lived before. And it is not greater in terms of monetary success. It is not greater in terms of power on a temporal level. It is greater in terms of seeing the world as one, seeing me as we. As life evolves, evolution gets more complex. Life becomes more complex. So in a similar way, as we evolve as a world, we get more complex and that means more diverse. So therefore we are required to be more inclusive and because we're here, because we're maybe listening a little more, we have to wake up and be the waking up space in which others can wake up to see that this is a no brainer. It, it's like I said, it's challenging. But maybe we say it's a no harder. It's a no harder, we know. In the early, early days, there were tribes not in communication with each other. We are now all have the possibility to be in communication so we can see the universality. We can see now more clearly that what I do affects somebody on the other side of the planet. We can't say, my life is only my life now. We can't, it, it's not true. We can see it. And to know that if you are not experiencing your good, then I am truly not experiencing my good. But also, 
that you experiencing your full good does not and cannot take away from my good. There is not a limited pie of good in this world. Um, years ago, um, at the Seattle Center for Spiritual Living, um, when I was on staff there, um, one of the ministers on staff, Reverend Janet Garvey Stangvik, who is one of my also great teachers, mentors, um, she was raised in New York, Irish, mystical prankster. That tells you what you need to know. I may have mentioned her before. Um, fashionista, deep, deep, deep connection to spirit. Um, I trust her more spiritually than probably anyone else I know on the planet. Well, when she got the call to take a church in Napa, California, when she was leaving, our initial reaction was it was going to leave a huge hole because at that time she was really the heart of the center. Whereas Kathy Ann was more the driver, the head, the business person, the speaker, the idea person. And so there was a bit of a, oh no, Janet's leaving. This is gonna be terrible. And then I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. What kind of universe, what kind of God do I believe in? If this is her good, then it must be the good for, of our center. It must be. And one of the things that unfolded from there is because we could no longer Janet to be the big heart, that all of us, and I would dare say Reverend Kathy Ann, had to step into being fuller, more fully heart-based. That was not a bad thing. That was an excellent thing. Her good, though we didn't know it, turned out to be our good. Our good is all connected. You probably have heard the phrase, when we start getting caught up in the chaos and the fear and all the stuff right now, that we, we spiritual seekers, we who are looking to dive more deeply into the fullness of who we truly are, divine selves, that we were made for times such as this. And I think that's true. I think that we are called to greater love. And I think each of us knows that, that we are called to greater love, which means a greater living of oneness, a greater experience of oneness, a greater living as truth. And that love, that love pushes us to be more inclusive. If we truly live in our hearts, we see how much it hurts to cast someone outside of that, our circle. And it is, I think, a great circle of being informed that love 
requires us to be more inclusive. And as we deepen in our oneness and inclusivity, we are called to greater love. And so then we're called to greater oneness. It's, it's a circle. So my wish for you, my intention, if I may be so bold for all of us, is to step into that greater love, which is that greater inclusion, which knows no matter how difficult it might seem in the moment that we truly, truly, truly are better together. And so it is.